to Santa Barbara Talks with Josh Molina. It's my pleasure today to be here with my colleagues. This is so exciting. I'm here today with Brooke Holland and Jade Martinez-Pogue, both reporters at NewsHawk. And uh, we're going to have a wide-ranging conversation about a variety of things related to journalism and uh, what it's like to be a reporter. You know, we're kind of all three of us, different stages of our career. So we're going to just sort of dive right in and talk about what it's like to be a reporter in 2021. Super exciting. I want to start with you, Jade, because you're the newest of the bunch here at NewsHawk, and um, you've been at NewsHawk for about a year. So I'm just wondering if you could just talk a little bit about sort of your experience, your journey. What, it, what has it been like for you? Um, is, is being a professional reporter in a newsroom, everything you've ever wanted? Obviously, we had the pandemic uh, affect you, so you've had to work differently. Can you talk about your first year as a professional journalist and just sort of how you've approached things? Yeah, so definitely coming in, um, I got graduated or I got hired like a week or two before graduation. So I really just started um, right away in the middle of the pandemic. Uh, it was pretty intimidating, honestly. Like Brooke, I think, was our most recently hired reporter, and that was four years ago at the time. Um, you guys all know each other, had like, NewsHawk has this like high level of reporting and expertise. And I would, just graduated. Uh, I worked for my campus newspaper for two years, but you know, it was intimidating. And then I love, um, part of what got me into journalism is being able to talk to people and hear their stories and you know, and you did, I didn't get to do a lot of that because of um, the pandemic. I had people I'd call on the phone maybe at least like three times a week and I'd still have to introduce myself every time because it's hard to put, you know, remember a name when there's no face to it. Um, so it was, a, it was a little rough at first, but I've loved it. Um, I feel like I've had a lot of support from not only like my editors, but you guys, my colleagues, I felt nothing but welcomed. And, you know, I think it took about nine months for me to actually start building the connections that are so important to reporting and to journalism. Um, but once that kind of started, you know, I have the few people I talk to, I have people sending me tips and stuff. So it, it finally, you know, a year later, I finally kind of feel like I'm getting my foot actually in the door now more so than before. But um, I've loved it. Uh, How did you I get think. into journalism? Because you graduated from UCSB. They don't have a formal undergrad journalism program. I, obviously, they have Daily Nexus in the bottom line. And uh, they do have journalism there, but it's not a formal program. Did you transfer into UCSB or did you go there thinking you were going to be a journalist? Talk to me about that switch. Um, well, I was an econ and accounting major for my whole first year of college. Um, never felt more dumb in my life, I'll be honest. <laughs> um, so I switched to communication. And actually, before I got into college, I've always loved writing. I wanted to do journalism, but UCSB didn't have it and my dad told me I wouldn't be making a lot of money if I did journalism so kind of just put it on the back burner but uh, my junior year they introduced the journalism certificate program through the professional and continuing education so I kind of just was like you know what why not like I want to try it I loved 
the communication major. It was really fun, but I didn't really have a direction where I wanted to go with that. So, um, you know, I did my first few classes and there was an international reporting trip that we had to apply to go on and, you know, send a little portfolio and stuff. And at that time, I really had no journalism experience beside of like class assignments. So I had to make up stories on my own that weren't going to be published anywhere, but something I could submit for the portfolio. And I think after I went on that trip, I was like, okay, this is what I want to do. Like I had to set up interviews in a foreign country before I went and I had to just talk to people on the streets. I did like a museum tour and ended up finding a source who was in my gut, like my group. And I was like, this is just so fun. This is so cool. This is what I want to do. And so, you know, after that, I got more serious at the school newspaper and started to do some, look for internships. And now I'm here. <laughs> yeah, don't listen to those people who say you're not going to make a lot of money in journalism because even though they're absolutely right, <laughs> um, they don't understand the other benefits, of course, which, you know, the feeling, the rush of being able to tell stories, make change, have impact, meet new people. That's what I always love about journalism is every day is different. Like you, you, when you wake up, you don't really know what you're going to be doing. Uh, you kind of have to approach it as you go. So that's worth something, you know, it's, you're not going to get a big mansion in Hope Ranch for sure. Uh, but uh you know, that's not why we go into it. Now, um, Brooke Holland, you um, you are sort of the, the veteran of the group because you, um, you know, I kind of had two runs at Newshawk, two stints, you know, but you've sort of been there the longest continuously. And uh, how long have you been at Newshawk now? How long has it been? Five years this month. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> so you're, you're definitely like the senior one because I took like a year and a half break. And uh you know, Brooke, I know a little bit about you. You know, you obviously went to Santa Barbara City College and the Channels program. And, uh, you know, that was, um, you know, is a really fantastic program. And everyone there who I know speaks super highly of you. And, you know, they remember you and the impact you had. And then you went to Cal State Northridge. And now you're at you're at, um, at Newshawk. Can you talk a little bit about sort of your first five years in the business? And what, what have you learned and how have things changed? Yeah, definitely. It's been an amazing experience overall and like like you mentioned every day is different I wake up with different stories every day and talking to so many different people and I love that experience of being able to just talk to community members out in so many different situations in so many different they have so many different backgrounds and they're all different types of people and just like learning about them and the, and like what they have to say and listening and having that relationship with people that I just met and having them open up to me, talk to me, um, have that trust and ability to, to have me tell their story and write it out for other people to read is like so impactful and it's amazing thing and it keeps me going every day and and it's, it's been wonderful and I've, I've enjoyed it all. I feel like being a general assignment reporter is awesome because I'm able to cover such a wide variety of topics, so many different things, and it keeps it very interesting. And yeah, it's been great. It's super, super rewarding and, and awesome. Yeah, one of the things about Newshawk is <clears throat> very recently we started to carve out beats more or less where we're kind of responsible for certain areas of the community but 
up until that point, and still to some degree, we've been general assignment reporters, which means we do whatever we are asked to do. We, We write what we pitch and what we propose. You know, when I grew up, you know, I started the news press and the Mercury News, I had to go to a newsroom, like it'd be there by nine. And I had to be there all day until your story was done. Obviously, you leave to report and do interviews and everything. But it was a very different environment. What do you two think sort of starting out and growing up in this world of journalism where you work remotely? I mean, even before the pandemic, the, you know, the Newshawk newsroom has been largely, you know, virtual. You know, you come in when you need to, uh, but you don't have to. Uh, we were independent contractors for a long time. Now we're employees. Um, what do you think of that? Like, does that work for you? Uh, do you guys wish sometimes you could just go to a newsroom? Can you talk about that a little bit? I kind of miss a new, I would like a newsroom. There's something about, you know, having to be at work at a certain time and staying. It just, it feels more structured to me, which is, I've always been very structured oriented, but at the same time, I don't think I would be able to like do the level of reporting that I do or the same amount of coverage if I was just in a newsroom the whole time. You know, I think having the flexibility of working remote. It's like, you know, sometimes something comes up at 8 p.m. at night and I'm in my pajamas watching TV, but I'm able to report on it and call people because I'm at home. And I think it just gives us more flexibility on um, how much we report and what we report. Yeah, I was going to say a good majority of my time, I am writing and uploading photos in my car or at a Starbucks or some other place that's just nearby with internet or I have my phone Wi-Fi hotspot thing and just like cranking it out there. I think you in our situation has to be a very self-starter and be very planned and organized and take the initiative to to do to get to do all the reporting and everything that we need to do and be really like independently working as yourself. Um, But again, I, I do love our newsroom aspect and like being in a newsroom is awesome because you just get to bounce ideas off of each other. And that's something that working in a student newsroom, that's awesome. Everyone's kind of mingling and talking about the different news stuff, which is cool. And I, that, I, I enjoy working in a newsroom, but now I've, again, I feel like I get in just like working in my car a good, a good amount of time. We're just again, like anywhere with the closest Wi-Fi to file a story and get it submitted on, on the deadline. <laughs> yeah, we sort of have the best of both worlds because we do have an office that we can go to, but I'm, I'm with Brooke, you know, here, like I get so much more done if I can be on the move, if I can work while I'm reporting, if I can multitask, because sort of having to stare at your computer and be inside four walls just because I think is not a great model for, for journalism. And, you know, we can do, we can be working on multiple stories, you know, and we save a lot of time. It's a lot more efficient to do that. Um, Let's, can we talk a little bit about the craft? You mentioned uploading photos, Brooke. Uh, maybe you can just talk a little bit about your storytelling. You know, what I found is that unless you've been a journalist or you have a family member who's been a journalist, you don't really understand how, how much work goes into crafting even a short story, you know, 12, 15 inches, you know, 800 words or whatever. Like it's, it's a lot of work and it's, it, you know, and no one, no one says here, 
go write this, if you kind of take a little bit of this and that and put it together, it filters through your head. There's deadlines and people get back to you at weird times and people want to spin you. So can you maybe talk a little bit, Brooke, about creating a story, you know, maybe a, a news story and what goes into that? How much work are, is it to do what you do? Yeah, definitely. The first thing that comes to mind is researching the topic and gathering as much background information and being knowledgeable about whatever the story is. And that alone could take several hours, depending on what it is. Um, again, as years go by, you gain more background research and knowledge of what is going on. So it's a little easier to figure out how to connect the dots. But <laughs> fresh out of the gate, I remember when I started News Hawk, I was like, oh, I went to college, you know, Santa Barbara City College. I know the community. But then when I came back in as a professional reporter, I've just opened all these new doors and such and just tracking back the topic to so many years and just understanding it yourself to be able to ask the questions that are relevant and, you know, get new information. But um, it's, yeah, first step, I guess, for me is just really researching the topic and then going out and thinking about who are the key main sources and who needs to be incorporated in the story to give, you know, both uh, all the different uh, voices to tell it, which could take, again, a good amount of time and just really thinking about who are key players in the story. And it starts a lot uh, with me just going online and searching people or organizations or groups and stuff and then reaching out to them and um, kind of you know it requesting the interview and stuff and trying to focus your story as much as you can on the topic but then once you get the interview you know you learn so much more about what is going on and, and trying to weave through that all um, to, to gather the most new newsworthy information um, and then interviewing and then sitting down to do the writing itself uh, is, is a whole, <laughs> whole thing with it itself. You know, you have to really layer out and think about really how just, you know, again, like what is most important here? What are pe readers gonna get impact on here? And it's like, it's a, definitely a whole process. And then there's the photos element of it and thinking about how can I go beyond just uh, bunch of words and a photo or you know like photo ideal ideas and stuff but I think uh, the most important thing for myself was just learning about topics and reading and researching about what has gone on before um, so that I can be most knowledgeable and up-to-date about what's going on I think research is like really important in this field and knowing who the key players are and and going and asking most relevant questions but yeah <laughs> what about what about you jade um what, what is your process like i'd say it's pretty similar um like definitely for me the research part has been huge i've been in the santa barbara area for about five years now but four of those i was in iv and i'll be honest i wasn't too focused on the outside community and what was going on um well, I have to say, ever since we became Instagram friends, I, I have looked at a couple of your photos from a few years ago, and it looks like you had We're a good not, time. No, you're not my Instagram friend, Josh. I <laughs> couldn't find you. I was like, where's oh, Brooke? Maybe I, like, I have an alter ego name. <laughs> yeah, you got to watch for people like me not to be able to find, I guess. 
but yeah, so I think the, like when I first started, I would spend like sometimes even a whole day just researching like, why is this issue at city council important? Like, why is it such a big deal? Why does the community care? And I think that's where like you guys helped me a lot. Josh, you've like yourself just given me so much background and information about, you know, everything that's going on. And um, I'm starting to learn more as, you know, time goes on. But I think the research part is huge because you know, you can get a topic and say, write about this, but you have to write about it in a way that matters, in a way that people want to know about. And in order to do that, you need to know why it matters and what the history is there. Um, so yeah, it's a bunch of research and then doing the interviews. When I first started um, journalism, like in my classes, I would always go out with a set of questions, like written down, ready to know. And then I kind of realized that I don't get as good of responses from people when it's like, okay, here's question one, two, three, four, and just answer them. So I've kind of, you know, learned to make my interviews more conversational and just um, instead of having, I have like, oh, I want to ask about this idea, this concept. And I think that's helped the reporting a lot because then people open up and talk more, you know, they're not just answering one simple question they're telling you you know everything they know or related to the topic um you know and then you craft this story you have to figure out what people what's most important what will keep them reading past the first paragraph or two um and the photography is something i do need to work on um, i've been told um i've never been too good with it but seeing other people's stories and just reading more news, kind of getting to a better idea of what will benefit the story and, you know, complement it rather than just sticking a photo up there. I How was I... thinking, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Brooke. I, I was thinking about when I, photography and reflecting back, like doing news photography during social distancing, like when we social distance and stuff. So once you, Jade, I think once you'll be able to get in people's faces with your camera, you'll definitely capture a more intimate photograph. But your photos are good too. <laughs> Give yourself some credit. I mean, it's weird times. Like you know, you gotta kind of keep you gotta keep your distance from people and stuff. So that makes it like definitely challenging uh, keeping space when you gotta get a good photo. <laughs> well, and what I found with photography is that it's really just about doing everything you can to be there and as close as possible. You can learn the technical skills and there are a lot of great photographers with great technical skills, but they may not be the best photojournalists because they're not used to like just finding the moment and pursuing it and adjusting and moving and being available and flexible. And those are the skills we have. Like we have those skills. So we have to do them every day. So the photography will come with more confidence that you get in terms of just getting up in people's faces. And then of course, equipment, it does matter. You know, the better the camera you have, the longer the lens, you know, these are things that are helpful, particularly whether it's during the pandemic or a breaking news thing where you can't just be right up in someone's face. But, you know, I think we, all of us, we do a tremendous job um, with, with photography. I mean, we've had to take pictures from day one. It's built into the model. And uh, how many times have we been at stories where we have to just choose? 
am I going to be a photographer right now or am I going to take notes? Like, how am I going to juggle both? And so maybe we put our recorder on and just record it. And then we're a photographer and we go back and listen to it later. These are all really valuable skills that I have just to be able to adjust and move in the moment. Um, I want to keep talking a little bit about the writing process um, for PR people who might be watching this, you know, and, uh, you know, what, what tips do we have for how PR people can work better with us and how we can work better with them? Um, I think we all have a friend, Lauren Bianchi Clemen, who's like SBCAG PR person. And so I'm always talking to her about like PR tips. And, and I'm always like, here's what journalists like. And, you know, she, she's like, here's what PR people like. Um, you know, can you talk a little bit about like, what is, what's the best things that we can do to, to uh, work with PR people who have an agenda of their own? We have an agenda of our own. How do we all work to get together? And I'll just start it off. I always tell PR people, don't ask me, when is your deadline? Please don't ask me <laughs> I hate that question because the truth is my deadline is right now. It's yesterday. I, I, I don't know because yes, I have a deadline. I get the story in, right? But if you give me the info five minutes before my deadline, as you already said, we, we might have to do more reporting based on that, you know? So what do we do? We end up giving them fake deadlines like, oh, it's 11 o'clock. It's one, it's two to build in time for us. So, you know, and then, you know, they're just trying to be helpful, but do we have any tips for public relations professionals and how they can get their story out to us? I think just knowing who the readers are of the publication and what sort of stories they're writing about and, you know, just like how, like, is this a topic that the, that we've covered before? Is this something that our readers are really going to be interested in? Or is it just, just a random, like something totally out of the blue that really doesn't have relevance to what, what we're currently writing right now and what really is important and what's going on right now. So like the past year, it's been COVID, COVID, COVID focus and public health things. And that's been a good majority of of our coverage and you know we're focusing a lot of our efforts on specific topics so when something kind of just pops up it's like maybe that's a, that's interesting but really our readers are focused on this right now and this impact and how this is really you know going to impact their daily lives so i guess maybe just like um kind of again like knowing what who the what the publication is what sort of stories they're focusing on right now and how it could possibly benefit and impact other people's daily lives. I think impact is the most important thing and that could often get lost um, with just random pitches or things like that. Yeah. I also think it's like important, you know, we pitch our stories to our editors, but you know, when PR people reach out to us, they're pitching a story to us and when I've had, you know, some people reach out to me and be like, this is a, it's going to get a lot of reads. Like your audience is really going to care about this. And I'm like, oh, there totally are. And then they send me the information. I'm like, well, now I feel stupid. Like it's not actually a story. Um, so I think like if just like laying everything out up front from the get go, um, cause you know, I've wasted time, like trying to figure out things and researching pitches that aren't really relevant to our readers and to our paper. So I think laying it all out on the line. And then I'm 
like more happy to work with them later because I'm not like you just tricked me um mm -hmm. I trust them more <laughs> and like knowing the journalists and what the journalist covers like Josh you do biz hawk you got business stuff you do city of Santa Barbara things so those really could be focused over here like if I get something like that I'm like well, I'm covering this topic, so it I don't, it just might get lost in like the emails if it's not really something that maybe the journalist is also sort of focusing on and covering right now. Yeah, and I want to say right now, thank you, Brooke, publicly for every BizHawk idea you've ever sent me. They are greatly appreciated <laughs> because um, I don't know if you've written BizHawk at all, but it's really difficult to come up with a weekly call on new businesses or businesses closing. So thank you for all your Yeah, I have some more stuff. ideas too. <laughs> so I I mean, I live downtown, so I'm just walking up and down stage. That's like my, when I want to go on a walk or something, you know, I'll just go downtown and like, oh, look at that, look at that, like sort of thing, <laughs> taking pictures or something for you. I'm like, got to send this to Josh. So yeah, like, like, like if PR people know, like, you know, this person, this reporter is focused on this topic could be more easily pitched towards that person instead of just sending a random email out to everyone. And a good PR person, Jade, could even get you on a bicycle, right? For, for <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was asked to go on a bicycle and I didn't go on it. <laughs> did, you, did you do it, Brooke? No? No, no. Oh. The e-bike. <laughs> I don't know. Like, and the bike chain popped off. I was like... <laughs> Maybe I should just stick to reporting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's fine. You do better when you experience it. Um, so let's shift gears a little bit. I want to talk to you a little bit about sort of you two specifically and uh, what it's like to be young and a journalist. Um, you know, you you guys are, are you know, in your 20s, and uh, I presume, and you're um, female. And so... Uh, can you talk a little bit about what that is? And I don't mean to like put you in a box or stereotype, but I do have uh, friends who are female reporters. I have former students who are female reporters and, you know, they talk to me, you know, sort of candidly, privately about the challenges they sometimes face that I've never had to face. Um, no one's ever asked to hug me after I interview them. Um, no one plays with my hair when I try to interview them, you know, um, little things like that, you know, um, that I've never had to experience. And I'm just sort of wondering if you have any insight or thoughts or, or tips for other young, young women in journalism from what you've had to, to deal with. Um, we'll start with you, Brooke. Okay. So the one thing that I've experienced is um, I've been told that I kind of sound young in my voice. So uh, maybe when I'm I don't know. I kind of, I feel like my voice, I kind of kind of sound really enthusiastic and like excited about a lot of things. So I, I've gone like, oh, you, you sound sort of young, but like, I've honestly the over, like that just being a young reporter, fresh out the gate out of college and stuff. But over years, I've, I've built the experience and the credibility and such to kind of, you know, I'll get like, oh, how long have you been in journalism and stuff? And I can track back to, you know, in college and so many years. And I think people just the credibility of who I am and where I'm gonna go with the story um, and stuff. But in terms of like any things that people have said, I've just, I've just been told that I sound sort of young, um, mostly on like the phone, nothing really face to face. I think once people see who I am, um, they're like, okay. 
Do, do you find woman? That, do you find that sounding young comes with sources maybe wanting to over-explain things to you, or is there any drawback, or do they just sort just, of say it and move on? Just sort of say it and move on again, because I try to do so much. I do as much research as I can on the topic before I go in and ask the question, so I can present a fact and then ask a question. But it's always sort of just like at the end of a conversation, maybe once things are kind of wrapping up, like, oh, you kind of sound a little young, but it's like, like whatever. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not that young. I got years, <laughs> but <laughs> I don't know. It's it overall, it's it's good and mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> what about you, Jane? I think the same thing. I mean, obviously, I've had you know only a handful of opportunities to actually go talk to people in person. Yeah because of the pandemic, but um, I do think nothing that has been like verbally explicitly said to me, but I feel like it's harder to have people take me seriously um, because I feel like I sound young as well. Um, And you know, sometimes people, like I've gotten a lot like, oh, you're with Newshawk. I haven't seen your name before. And I have to be like, oh, you know, I just graduated in June and they're like, oh, and you know, it's building the credibility and like showing people that you are like legit, you know, I was like, this is my job. I got hired for a reason. I do the work that I do. Um, But there was an experience. I think it was like maybe a month or two after I first got hired. Um, I had to call a certain public information officer um, just to ask about, you know, a story. And he explained to me how to follow him on Twitter. He was like, so I don't know if you know this, but you can see my updates like live on Twitter and you just type in my name and then you you click the, the button until it turns blue and says you're following me. I'm like, oh my, wow, what insight. <laughs> <Thank you>. like, <laughs> whoa, <laughs> I was groundbreaking. Um, but that's really the only experience I've had with that. Um, but yeah. <laughs> I was, I was going to say, being young kind of we bring this fresh energy and this like excitement to learn and really like keep going you know we could we're like the energizer bunny we just keep going and going and going and like we like we have that excitement to learn and to to understand things like you we may be young but like we 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 got this we're 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 like you know I don't know what I'm trying to say (laughs) if that makes sense it's kind of like a fresh you know fresh eyes, fresh breath of fresh air. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely true. I mean, someone like me, you know, I've been a journalist since professional since 99. So gosh, that's a while, 21 years. Um, So 22, whatever. Uh, You're the math person, Jade. You can tell me a lot. I'm going to get all my math questions to Jade now. (laughs) I'm like sitting on my computer, like my phone. I'm like doing the math. Graphics, charts, go to Jay now. (laughs) Um, But you know, it 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 is true that you know, like I sometimes think I've done this story before, I've done it a hundred times. I'll just do it the same way. It can get kind of frustrating. So it is nice when you have uh, that kind of energy to bring that fresh perspective. Can we talk a little bit about your um, you know highs, lows, best stories, uh, stories you wished you could have covered? differently um you know last year i covered uh 
the the rallies, the Black Lives Matter rallies, um, you know, downtown. There were three of them. And those were amazing to cover. They were such they were so fun. Uh, photography was really cool. Uh, there's not a lot of trust of the media, at least at that time, you know, particularly the younger generation, you know, there's like distrust. They think you're trying to spin things possibly. So having to convince them, that, Hey, I'm here to give you a fair shot, you know, is something that, that I remember and kind of winning people over and building that trust. I remember sweating and being tired and being sore because having to walk up and down state street over and over. I mean, if you've ever covered those kinds of stuff, you're just like so tired um, you know, so like, those are some of the cool things that I, I did in the last year. Um, do you, do you guys have like, you know, like the highlights, like Brooke, could you point, do you point to like the highlight of your career so far has been covering this issue or these types of issues or what do you yeah, think? Yeah, the, the highlight of my career has definitely been when I was, I was accepted into the USC, uh, Center for Health Journalism Data Fellowship. And that, was the first time I really pitched a reporting project with a budget with what I thought I was really going to go in and get what the most awesome story would be and what the most minimum I could get would be and um, again that was like the first time I really did a full-on budget and tried to think about expensive expenses that would go into the into the reporting itself um, I when I worked on a student newspaper I did a lot of managing and that sort of stuff but I never really got to work with a with a budget which I thought was cool I, you know kind of kind of that sort of things um, so I think this reporting project that I'm working on is definitely a big highlight of my career I think back to the pandemic and I wish I had done more feature and impact stories and the people behind the numbers. So I hope that this um, project that I'm working on can give more faces and names and stories of people who are really impacted um, with COVID deaths and hospitalizations and in cases and all of that. Um, I think, uh, it's going to be reflecting on the past year, but I think when we were in the moment writing about the breaking news and what was really happening, it was it was harder to to to, to do more featurey stories and stuff. So um, yeah, I mean, and that was hard with the county too because they'd say, you know, we had a death in Lompoc between this age, and that was it. And and so from a practical perspective, really the only way to find the people who were impacted by COVID or who lost family members was to ask them to contact you like social media or you know through 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 the news site or something like that it was really you know it was really tough i just i'm always trying to advocate for the journalism and that you know we're not trying to be nosy we're not trying to invade people's privacies we're we're trying to explain to people who don't think this is a big deal how impactful it is you know if we tell the story of somebody's life from catching it till the end and we're able to talk to family members who can share that story, that's going to impact a reader who maybe was like, I don't need to wear a mask kind of thing back then. So, you know, it, those stories are hard. Those were very hard to do and it with on any kind of substantive level, because it was like, how do you find them? You know, definitely. And relying on readers to reach out to us and just provide, just say like, Hey, I'm so-and-so and I have this story. And it's like, where do we start? And where do we go to find these people when everyone is 
at home, they're not out in the community, they're not at a certain place, like around town, and really just like having that trusted relationship with a journalist for them to even just reach out and email or Twitter or something like that. Um, and even that people sharing their experiences like on Facebook or something and us reaching out or, you know, like asking them and yeah, it's a lot of, it's, it's definitely a challenge, but um, I think, yeah, putting faces behind the numbers and really telling those impactful stories about the pandemic, I think um, is something that will be really, really good to document in this moment in history. What about you, Jade, when you look at your first year, what do you sort of look back on? I agree with the, um, the dog, like the COVID cases and the deaths, like I'll get emails even still very often, um, you know, like, oh, you reported that there's another death today and you didn't say anything else about it. And, you know, like, what does, I don't know. So I, I wish there was a way to make that more personal for our readers, you know, because on the public health website, there's like two cent, like you said, like two sentences. They lived in this area and they were between, you didn't even really know their age. It's like a 20, 20 year time frame thing that you get. So it's like, it's hard to, like, I wish we could have made that more personal. I know that's not our fault. Um, it's the information we were given, but I wish there was a way we could have done that. Um, but in terms of like, what I look back on and what I what I've really liked. Um, I really enjoyed writing about county government. Um, I started covering the Board of Supervisors meetings just because they were always on Tuesdays and I knew that like that's okay that's going to be my day. It's Board of Supervisors. I liked that that structure but then I feel like just covering those meetings um, kind of opened a lot of doors for me. It, I met a bunch of people just from you know follow-up interviews and calling around and, you know, um, Jerry's show, I'm on Jerry's show because of the Coastal Commission article, um, which Josh, you actually gave to me. So that was really awesome. But um, I've enjoyed doing that, you know, and I feel like we're not going to out all our little secrets here on the show, Jane, are we? <laughs> but, you know, it's hard to establish yourself one as a young journalist and two as a young journalist during the pandemic when you're not out there, you can't be out in the community, you can't really go meet people. And I think covering county government has kind of helped me do that a little bit more than, um, you know, if I want. Well, you've done a great job. The county beat is really difficult. I mean, it is so hard, it is so big. It could be broken up into multiple beats, quite frankly, have multiple reporters. Um, it's just, it's, it's so spacious and large and expansive. It's like, where do I start? I like covering the city of Santa Barbara. It's like bite-sized. <laughs> it's, it's a lot easier to manage. Uh, like covering you know, Goleta. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You know, Santa Barbara's got better TV uh, though, for sure. Uh, TV uh, video quality when we do our screen grabs. Um, but yeah, no, you do, you do a good job there. And that county beat is tough. But the, what you're going to learn in the first year or two or however long you're covering that beat, um, it's going to help you forever. I mean, you're going to be able to cover anything after that because it's really, really difficult. Um, let's talk a little bit about the present. Um, Brooke, you mentioned your uh, your award, your USC award, which is going to lead to some stories pretty soon that you've been working on. Can you give us a preview and talk about what um, people can expect to see very shortly from your reporting? 
Yeah, definitely. So it's a multi-part series and is I pitched the idea focused on COVID-19 prevention efforts for vulnerable communities. Um, the first part of the series is um, documenting the scope of um, the devastating impact of COVID in congregate care facilities, especially those with elderly residents. And to show that um, we have the cases that are documented and the outbreaks, the deaths and the cases, um, the COVID cases among residents and workers there. And um, I talked with public health and um, staff people of these facilities, just explaining why long-term care and assisted living um, residents were so vulnerable to COVID once it got in and the mitigation efforts that they did once it was there and how they tried to manage it. Um, so it's kind of really documenting the scope. And the first thing I did um, with help uh, from Gianna <laughs> was um, put out a, a survey to ask people, could you just tell me a little bit about your experiences with whether you be a staff person, a resident, a relative um, with living in these facilities and your impact. So I think that was definitely the most challenging thing was finding the people and, and having them, you know, respond back to me. Um, so, and then another story is kind of focused on this post vaccine life and now what it's like that residents um, are vaccinated and how they can get back to having events or getting their hair done, getting their nails done being able to eat in communal dining and how things are kind of slowly transitioning now to how things were before COVID hit. Um, so that's another st story that I'm focused on. And then um, lastly, I'm focusing on farm workers and trying to tell the story of what, how many farm workers have died of COVID, what it was like working and going to work every day and what preventative efforts were coming down from the state and who was doing what and understanding um, how farm workers were impacted and focusing on a task force that public health and out of UCSB helped create. And they had several meetings and looking back at what they were doing in time and trying to adjust to what was really going on and what was needed now, whether that be sanitation kits to farm workers or um, education, educational material, materials about COVID in Spanish, you know, translation and such. So it's a lot of different uh, angles and stories and pieces, but it's digested into several different stories and broken up for, for readers. And yeah, that's basically it. <laughs> well, that's gonna be really cool to, to see that reporting. I'm looking forward to reading it. And I'm sure all of our, you know, everyone who reads Newshawk is, is gonna really enjoy it. So it's gonna be really cool. Um, and you had to write that application, like you had to apply for a grant for money. And it's like, sort of, that's, that's difficult in itself. You know, I mean, think about all the people who apply, you don't get it, you know, you get it. So good job. Then. And it, I pitched the idea back in, it was either late September or, or October. So we had our summer spike and then COVID cases were kind of going back down and then they spiked right back up again. And then during the winter. So I was trying to figure out like, how is this, where am I going to take this story? We're having a huge winter spike. And then we kind of went down and then vaccines got rolled out. So it was really like, I compiled it to really like what was happening now. I kind of went in with an idea 
and it grew and evolved depending on what was going on in the pandemic. And I never thought we would, you know, have vaccines at this point. So it, it, it's, it's pretty cool. I like how, how, how it's going to come out. <laughs> That's a, an interesting model where, you know, you can apply to get grant, to get funding that you get to do some special project on top of everything you else you have to do for, for NewsHawk. I don't, I don't think we cut you loose for three months and said, or they cut you loose for three months and said, go do that. You still had to do everything that you were doing for the most part. Um, can we talk a little about the state of the industry and the state of journalism? Uh, how do you think we're headed? Do you think that we're headed in a direction where journalism is finally settled and we're on the right track? You know, when I started out, when I worked at the News Press, it was owned by the New York Times. New York Times company owned it. And then about two years after I was hired, they sold it. Okay. They started to shed their smaller market newspapers because the advertising was declining. And then we had big recession 2008 and everything's been just tanking ever since then in terms of that traditional newspaper model. You know, we talked about it where we go to an office, we sit there, there's advertising people who call in, get ads, and we can put out a paper and get paid. Now it's so much about grants. It's about asking people for, for money. You know, it's about uh, sponsorships. And I'm just sort of wondering if you could talk, uh, Jade and, and Brooke, a little bit about what, what you sort of see the future of the industry. Are you excited about where we're headed? Um, you know, do you like this sort of shared model where we're asking people to support us? Uh, Jade, Jade, what do you think is sort of a newcomer into the business? Yeah, um, I definitely think the newer, like, you know, virtual model, like we, we don't have a, I don't know if actually if NewsHawk has ever had a print paper, maybe you guys know that, but um, I think it allows more flexibility, but um, there is the, like ours, we have subscribers and you can, you know, pay to be in the Hawks club, but it's still, anyone could read NewsHawk, you know, you don't have like three free articles a month or anything like that. Um, and I think I like that model because, you know, we do ask for money, but it's not necessary to get our content. And I think that's what, you know, newspapers or news sites should be. I always get so frustrated um, every time, like I'm on a, just click on a link and it's like, oh, you can't look at this uh, unless you give us this much money or whatever. Um, but I don't know. I think that is good, especially with the, you know, rise of social media. It's so easy for, you know, oftentimes the breaking news, like we see it on Twitter first or anyone can be like share news now, you know, with social media. And I think that um, that's made it harder for us kind of, but I think it is just the way that industry is evolving. You know, we have to be more more electronic, virtual focused and really adapt to that. And I think it's only going to be even, you know, expand even more than it has in the future. I was yeah, yeah going to say, I, I was just thinking um, when I first started uh, City College and working on the student newspaper, we only had an online product. I think they cut the print product a few semesters back but when I joined on it was all online and then when I transferred to Cal State Northridge um, 
they had the online product and then we had the print product once a week. And I remember the first time my name came out in print on the front page and I was so stoked. I was so happy. I grabbed so many uh, like newspapers and stuff. And then, my t- and then I was like thinking, I'm like, wait, no, I have this online platform as well. My name's on all the time. Why am I doing this? And I remember one of my professors being like, focus on the online stuff. Like that is where we are going online, online journalism sort of thing. So I feel like I kind of just grew up in my profession of just digitally focused online news publications. And it's like, I don't know, I I feel like the industry and where I can see myself going is like having this engaged journalism. And I think like really understanding what people need and what they want to hear and learn about in their community so that it can really create this like impactful journalism that they can take with them throughout their daily lives. And I feel like with an online product, it's just so much more available in your hands right there, you know, sort of thing. So I'm like, I'm happy with the digital, digitally focused like news organizations and stuff. Um, I think it just like opens so many doors and so many different ways to, to tell a story. Um, online but yeah so a lot of my well not a lot of I would say like 99% of my students have TikTok accounts and they're always trying to get the channels to have a TikTok account and we actually started one last semester one of the students started it and it's gonna have to grow because I don't think it went very far but um like, do you, first of all, do you guys have a TikTok account? And do you think there's a place for news on TikTok? Cause like, if you've seen the Washington Post guy, like it's super popular and it's just this whole other world that like, obviously that's where the readers are, the young reader or the young viewers. Can you imagine being able to get a young viewer into reading a newspaper article through goofy TikToks? That would be amazing if you could figure out that formula. What do you think, Jade? Honestly, like I do have a TikTok Um it's on prime. I make like stupid, stupid. They're all like about Taylor Swift. Um, <laughs> but um, I do, I followed the Washington Post guy for a long time. And, you know, I follow the Washington Post Instagram too. I, you know, read their website, but sometimes it's like a quick, you know, 15 to 60 second video of what's going on. Like really broke. It's like, takes this, you know, we're reporters. So we're already supposed to, you know, break it down and only include what's important. And that's our story. And then you do that in like a 15 to 60 second video. I think it's kind of like a craft. Like, let's think it's pretty cool. Um, I always thought of like bringing it up to News Hawk, but I don't think that it, I don't think our audience is very on TikTok, but um, I think it's a good way to get, you know, the younger people out there and have them have these reliable, news sources on a platform that they are interested in yeah i'm i'm this close to starting a tiktok and just seeing if there's a market for 40 something guy talking about podcasting and maybe news (laughs) as well i mean it sounds stupid but like there's so many weird people who are popular on tiktok like there's no like recipe for like i mean it's almost like the most unique you are the better you know you anti-tiktok work I don't have a TikTok, but it kind of makes me think I, when I was at Cal State Northridge, I think Snapchat just came out and that was like the hot thing. Uh-huh. But now Snapchat is getting maybe a, like it got replaced sort of with like Instagram and then Instagram, TikTok and all these like 
because all the companies always buy each other out and all that stuff. So it's kind of like, what is going to be like a trend for a while or what's really going to like continue on and resonate with people beyond a few years. And I mean, I think it's good to like be like, if everyone's using TikTok, TikTok is a go-to, you know, like for maybe news information or just I use it mostly just to like look at funny things but I think they put the TikTok like things on Instagram now or I don't even know they're called videos <laughs> um so I do like I because it has a little TikTok stamp on it when I'm like scrolling through Instagram so they kind of like cross platforms you know so I guess it's cool to think about like you could post it on this and then it can also be on a different social media platform but it's like I don't know Snapchat was like a cool thing and now it's not and so was like vining i remember that when i was in high school and that's kind of like tiktok right it's like short videos really quickly edited and like kind of it was i mostly saw it for like comedy things but now that's like not a thing anymore so i don't know there's all always new social media platforms like coming out every few years and i think i got left behind on the tiktok Thing, though. Well, there's still time. <laughs> I draw the line at Snapchat, though. If you ever see me with a Snapchat, just come put me out of my misery. I'm done. I lost <laughs> it. Um, um, I wanted to sort of just um, kind of wrap up here. Just sort of, if you could sort of talk to people. Obviously, people are watching this are interested in journalism and interested in all of you and and what you do. Um, sort of, I wanted to sort of give you all the final final word on. You know, what do you want people to know about your business, about your craft, about the journalism that you do every day? You know, I'll just I'll just lead off here in that I uh, I just want people to be more patient. I want people to be more understanding that nobody just hands us on a silver platter the news of the day. We have to go out and create it, and it's difficult. It's it's hard. We're 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 human beings. And what we do is art. There's no formula for doing it the same way every time. And so, you know, we'll write stories and then people will say, uh, oh, well, that's wrong. Well, well, 98% of it is correct. They won't mention that. Or, um, you know, they'll not like the headline on social media and they'll just criticize the headline. Did you read the story sort of thing? Um, when we go out and report and we write, all of our work product is on display for everyone to see. Not a lot of people have that. Like a lot of people, they make mistakes on their job and and no one ever knows except internally. So, I mean, I just, I always want people to be more patient. They don't need to like love us or anything, but like understand that this is really difficult work. It's a very chosen few, you know, self-chosen who go out to do this and uh, just slow down, have some patience, process it before you, you come to some conclusion about whether we're biased or whether we miss the angle or something like that. But I mean, what do you want to say to people who are, who are watching about your craft? Um, do you want to start Jay? Yeah, I think just um, piggybacking off of that. It's like, we really do what we do for the community. You know, it's not like I'm writing. I mean, I do love learning about, you know, all the different things, but we do it so we can inform our community about things that are affecting them and in a way that they can understand it. And I think, um, you know, yeah, we make a few mistakes sometimes and it is hard because we are in somewhat of a way, public figures kind of, you know, like it's our name, it's our face, you know, like, so I think it just like what you said, like 
we really try our best every day to serve the community and you know get that information out there as quickly as we can in the most accurate comprehensive way that we can and that's what I love about the job you know because I do feel like I'm helping people and I think people need to keep that in mind when you know reading our stories yeah last word Brooke <laughs> yeah I guess um it's a huge responsibility and it's a privilege to be able to keep community members informed with what is going on right now. And um, just, it's, everything is just, there's so many unknowns and we go out to the field and we come prepared and let's say, you know, sometimes we introduce ourselves to someone we don't know and we're polite and then we get turned down for an interview and then we have to think about well, where are we going to go next and shift and position ourselves to, to be able to tell a story of what's going on. And um, I think, you know, I feel like you know, the, the fast paced work environment, you know, we got we have so many different steps to get the finished product out that go be beyond the scene of us just showing up and, and reporting and stuff. And we all love what we do. So we, we do it every day and we, we like talking about it and, you know, like, it's there's so many rewards, but we really do put so much sweat into and, and heart into our into our work. And it's it's yeah, I, I know. Yeah, some people might what the finished product might be like, you know, something like, ah, what is this? But again, it's all about the impact and like having people think for themselves of like, how does this topic, you know, relate to me or what 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 is going on in the community? And and it's it's like super rewarding in the end. <laughs> Yeah, well said, both of you. And I, I think that's just, you know, so important. You know, we, we do this every day. You know, we're always working no matter what. And um, like you said, it's a privilege to be able to do it. So, yeah. And and we, we live in the community, too. Like, I was just thinking when we had the Loma fire and, you know, we live in the area. We also have to, you know, think about what's going on, but we also drive ourselves out to the scene to report and to be there on hand so that we can deliver the, the most important information to other community members and stuff. So it's like, we live in the community, we work here. We really, we really love it. So. All right. Yeah, great. Thanks, Brooke. Thanks, Jade. We should do this more often. This was a lot of fun. So thanks a lot for uh, taking the time out of your busy days. 